You're listening to Radio ISO, the podcast bringing you notes from isolation and stories about the people we're missing. I'm your host, Emily Sargent. Today I spoke to author and conductor Lev Parikian, who is missing live music but taking comfort in birdsong. Just so it's me and my wife and my fifteen-year-old uh, son, and we're in we're in South London. Mm. I suppose for me, uh, there's obviously there's been stress and a new situation to get used to quite rapidly. It was the the period going into uh, approaching lockdown, and you know, as the the news was spreading and the disease was spreading towards us, was I think quite stressful. Uh, even though it was a busy one, I had concerts coming up, um, all kind of lined up on successive Saturdays and so on, a couple of Wednesdays, all before, you know, going into that period. Mm. So there was a great deal of uncertainty with the orchestras about whether these concerts could go ahead. Um, in the in the end, one of them did, just about, there was the last Saturday, and then the next one, the following Saturday, had to be cancelled, I think, as... You know, as it swept through and people started, the theatre started shutting down and mm. and all of that. Um, how, how did that final concert feel? It felt strangely um, euphoric in a way, because uh, I think we kind of knew that we were lucky, the timing was lucky, and that a few days later and it couldn't have gone ahead. Mm. I think there was a sense, that even though we didn't know how long it was going to last, that this was uh, possibly the last opportunity for a bit to, to you know, to make music and and share it with the audience. I think it, it felt, in a way, quite uncomplicated, mm. um, and in some ways there was less pressure on the orchestra to perform well, <laughs> bizarrely, um, because it was just you know the, the occasion of being there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of enough. Yeah. But I think we're faced with a situation where we're not really realistically going to be able to make music together for a really quite long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I miss it. I miss it. I miss the people and I miss the um, that togetherness. Uh, I was very, very keen as a kid. I grew up in a, a village in Oxfordshire and we had a nice sized garden and uh, it was very, you know, different era there was no motorway nearby um so i'd wander around the village without fear of anything with my um trusty binoculars um absolutely fascinated by the the birds i saw Mm. around me or didn't see mostly quite often they would be disappearing into a hedge or a bush or a tree um as i got close to them but i suppose the that fascination did dwindle as I got older. Um, struck out in life, moved to London, uh, studied music, made my way, had other preoccupations, um, and I suppose partly living in the city, the the wildlife in general didn't uh, play such a a key background role mm. um, as it had in my childhood. 
And then I think I found myself noticing these things, like, for example, what should be happening any time now, the return of the Swifts was always um, a big thing uh, from Africa. And I think they're sort of trickling in at the moment uh, to the country um, for the summer. And so I'd go, oh, I remember the Swifts are here. And it kind of just trickled back in almost under my radar. And I suddenly found I was uh, almost obsessed with them again. Um, And at the same time, I was uh, looking for something to write about. And it just sort of clicked in my head. I thought, oh, there's a thing. I can talk about that. I can write about the you know the return of the interest and then i can link it to my childhood and i can link it to music and and, uh yeah and it's remained with me um and as i think if anything intensified in the last five years it might be something to do with getting older Mm. but it might not (laughs) yeah i don't know though because i've I've known all of my life that I love the sound of birdsong, but mm. it has become so vital. I would sort of notice it as I was on my way somewhere, but I wouldn't. Mm. I'm actively walking outside to listen to it now. I've noticed there's this one bird. I mean, I would also use the word obsessed because there's a bird <laughs> that's singing on the top of a um, tree across the road from me in a park and I mm. and I hear it every night and I don't know what it is and I've been trying to record it and it's too far away so I'm I know I need to <laughs> you need to get uh, yeah get get yourself a parabolic reflector and a directional microphone or, or just get out there and get closer um, uh, is that how it starts though do you think was it was there a bird for you that got you thinking I need to know what that is or I want I'm I want to seek it out to hear it because I love that song it, funnily enough, though, uh, as a, you'd, you'd think that as a musician, the, the song, the sounds might be the starting point for me, but I don't think it was. I think it was the fact that they can fly mm. <laughs> from the, the the song point of view. Um, again, we we find it fascinating partly because it sounds a bit like music very often. I think we're attracted to the more melodious birds, mm. so blackbirds. Nightingales in particular, of course, have a great reputation. Uh, Robins have a very melodious song. Uh, And maybe there's some sort of primeval instinct that it speaks to. I just know that I love listening to it and it's endlessly fascinating. That is part of the feeling for me. It feels as if it connects to something very ancient, which I find Mm. very comforting. And and also it's, it's one of the things that makes me feel joy at the moment. Well, they've they've been around for a very very long time. <laughs> they mm. were around when we were uh, when we turned up, and they'll with any luck be around after we've gone. I think. Um, you know, you think about the the millions of years that birds have been on this planet, um, and so maybe there is that sort of connection. How does it make you feel? when you're outdoors say in the morning or the evening and the birds are singing i find it deeply uh, peaceful and calming there's definitely a, a a sense that with all not just the song but also just where you need to go to listen to the song so that little wood um up 
quarter of a mile away, uh, which I go to. And so being in that green space with the bird song, um, and especially early in the morning, not many humans, um, is it's an invitation to slow down, isn't it? I think this is a point that's been made by a lot of people that, that this could be, for all its ghastliness, an opportunity for people to just take a breath mm. um, and reassess what it is that they're after in life and uh, how they want to spend their time on this planet. Um, uh, so uh, it's it's been pretty vital. I think I've found I, I need a routine for the day and that has involved uh, various you know, things, yoga, meditation, but in particular walking, making use of my uh, walk a day mm-hmm. and uh, you know, allowing it to take me to those those touch points where I know certain birds are going to be. I, I My natural inclination is to do things fast and to be busy. So it's often it's taken quite a conscious effort at times to to slow down and to you know, take those breaks in the day um, and to, you know, uh, to notice things, to to walk half the speed and then walk half that speed again and then walk half that speed again and to actually look at something or listen to something, to stop and not just go, oh, look, there's a robin singing. But what is it singing? Is that phrase the same as the previous one? How long is the gap between them? Does it start with the, the whistling tone or the chattering tone? Is there a pattern to, you know, all the sort of things that um, take things from the background to the foreground? It takes it, you know, takes you somewhere else, I suppose. The timeliness of this is, is a bit weird because uh, the book I'm working on this year, which I'd pitched at the end of 2019, is specifically devoted to observing a small patch my local patch across a year but using the uh, 72 japanese micro seasons each one about five or six days long so we have four main seasons but we all know that you know uh, the spring of march is different to the spring of may mm-hmm. um ancient Chinese traditional and Japanese traditional calendars divide up into these tiny little pockets of five or six days and each one has its own title. No, it's a, it's a, I sort of came across it a couple of years ago. Um, And so I thought I'd transfer that from uh, Japan to West Norwood. (laughs) So that's what what I'm doing this year. Dividing it up into those tiny windows, have you, has it made you conscious of things clearly changing in between it, those? I mean, it really has. I think it's made me uh, look at, um, it, obviously it's made me look more closely at things. You really notice how, especially in the last couple of days, because we had um, lots of sun and then rain. Mm-hmm. And you, I stood in the cemetery the other day and I swear I could hear the cow parsley actually growing as I, as I stood there. It was so kind of, full of this vigour like the sun was great for it to, to do one thing and then the rain just hit it and it just went whoosh mm-hmm. here we go and you see that all around um, but I've also noticed things from the very beginning we have wisteria um, on our front wall 
and because it's by the front door, I got into the habit early in the year of just looking at the wood where I knew buds would come yeah. six weeks later. And so to watch these things and to to chart that progress has been it's been fascinating. During this period, I mean, I felt sort of overwhelmed at points by how invested I am in things. I took so much joy from the cherry blossom. And then the moment mm. I started to see it falling off the trees, I went into this sort of slump. Yeah, it felt like a real grief. And I thought, oh, God, you need to um, you need to get a hold of yourself. <laughs> this, this. Get, a, get a grip, yeah. for God's sake. As the cherry blossom is falling, something else is growing. So there's that passing on of the baton and there's just continuous cycle and especially i think you, you you get to appreciate that even when things are not visibly happening there's all sorts of activity going on mm. and the more you you know the more you dig down into uh, the little things the the more there is to you know to find that's fascinating it's a bit of a cliche to like spring isn't it um but there is that uh, there's hope in the air and there's growth. And I do particularly, as a bird, I do like that moment when the swifts arrive. We have them nesting in uh, the houses either side. So we've had, they're pretty regular mm. and they nearly always come back on May the 5th or 6th. So, yeah, it's, it's extraordinary that they come to the same place from Africa. Mm. It's the same birds come to the same nesting spots. How many so. times will they stop off on that journey? Uh, I don't know. Swifts are uh, incredible flyers, so they spend pretty much their whole adult life on the wing, so they won't stop much. They're able to. Um, uh, they're able to catch a, a bit of uh, shut eye as they're as they're flying because they can. I think it's I'm right in saying they can kind of divide their brain. So that half of it will be, I'm not explaining this at all scientifically, but uh, it does enable them to, to keep moving and get the rest as well. I have to say I've been loving the lack of traffic. I know, me too. Uh, it's been wonderful. And it's I'm not looking forward to it returning, yes, which I've, I think it probably will. I'm developing yeah, will. a bit of a fear now of the lockdown ending because we're yeah so isn't it weird is it kind of stockholm syndrome i wonder yeah (laughs) i've been trying to i've been trying to work it out this week it's a it's strange isn't it because obviously it's um it's a terribly uh difficult circumstances and a really ghastly time for most people um and yet it has brought it's going to given us a bit of a glimpse isn't it into a different possibly a different way of being as if it could be the nudge that with any luck makes us rethink things in terms of people connecting with birdsong and with nature what would be your hope for 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 when we come out of this i would hope that people would just be, be aware of it and care for it more i think it's um it's so easy for these things to happen by stealth. It's called it's, sh- it's known as shifting baseline syndrome, isn't it? So that the you know um, children who are growing up today take what they have as the norm, mm-hmm. 
And yet when I was growing up, the norm was cuckoos in the garden um, and a hum of insects at high summer. Um, and gradually these things have been denuded. Actually, in some cases, in in quite a hurry, they've been denuded for various reasons. Um, and I think if we were transported back to the uh, 70s, 60s, we'd and I would go back to my childhood, I'd be amazed at the the how prolific nature is or was mm. um, and how it isn't anymore. <clears throat> there are pockets, certainly, where people have, you know, are trying, working really hard to reintroduce things and to get things going again, but it's, a, it's an incredibly difficult balance and it's a lot of hard work. The default position, if you live in a city, is not to be engaged with nature, because mm. um, there's so, there's just so much masking it all the time. Um, what do you think we we lose from our lives in those situations when we're living in big cities and not connected? We've become, in a kind of strange way, even though we've always connected with humans, become less human, I think. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, it's, don't think it's good for us. I've certainly felt more um, I don't know, balanced? Is that the right word? Mm. Something like that. Um, as if something is, yeah, something Maybe it was there all the time, but I didn't realise it. But it's it's more important, and it's been restored. Maybe. Um, Strangely enough, that's how I feel after this past month, or yeah. at least that there's a, a glimmer of that. I was trying yeah. to describe it to a friend, and I was saying it just feels like a slightly different consciousness, and that's not mm-hmm. all the time. But it's very. I've noticed it when I stop to look at something, whether that's a tree not, or... Not for too long, I hope. Not for too long. Not for not too long. I just stop. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, there's, there's, a, there's a clarity that has not been there for a long time. Um, mm. And I'm really, I'm, I'm very conscious that I seek it out after this as well. Yeah. What I can say is that, you know, personally, I've, uh, it has improved my life. Um, that reconnection in the last five, six years. Even opening the window, you know, just to to hear something. Uh, and I suppose at this time of day, what is it, 11 o'clock, there might be things going on. They tend to quieten down through the morning. Um, but there's usually uh, a wren or a robin kind of fussicking around, going tick, 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 or something. Or, or a parakeet. Uh, you get parakeets yeah, in Old Street? I've seen a lot. Well, for the first time, actually, and I tried to point it out to my partner. And yeah, well, the, the, I think they divide people. But um, some people think, oh, what a beautiful splash of colour. And others go, they are so noisy and yeah. squawky. And you know. Aside from at dawn, what's a good time of day, would you say, to go out and hear... Um, hear something interesting dawn and dusk 
Dawn and Dusk are the best, and it doesn't need to be Dawn Dawn. I mean, actually, it's um, yeah. they will probably be at their peak around for the hour around dawn, mm-hmm. but there's going to be some birds singing or making noise through the morning. Uh, that tends to be the time of peak activity, but uh, if you just go around, go out around dusk as well. You'll hear it's a bit more subdued, but there is quite often you'll get blackbirds and robins definitely singing. Mm. Um, there's a particular time of the year as well. The blackbirds start up again, it's sort of February-ish. Um, and you get those blackbirds singing, as you talked about, from the tops of trees, tops of buildings, at dusk. And it's a magnificent thing. Um, but really... Any time, and I, I suppose that all I'd say is just keep everything open, eyes and ears, um, especially ears, because you'll more often hear a bird before you see it. Mm-hmm. But just maybe develop the the art of stopping and really listening to it, just focusing on it for even if it's thirty seconds, mm. um, trying to find out you know, where it's coming from trying to get a glimpse of it, but listening to the sounds and thinking, just uh, thinking about them, allowing yourself to uh, immerse yourself in it. like to tell us about someone you're missing we'd love to hear from you get in touch at radioisopodcast at gmail.com or on instagram at radioisopod.com